Hello, Internet, and welcome once again to A Drink to the Past, the only drinking game that is a podcast in disguise. Or <coughs> something like that. Uh, here's Crow with our theme song. Uh, I like yeah. making the guests do the theme song, because it, it always puts them on the spot and they never see it coming. I was about to say, like, when are you going to do the theme song? I did the theme song once. What, the first episode? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, actually, I've done it a few times. Uh, so here, let, let's try a duet. I'll say a line, and then you try a rhyme with it. I like to drink. Actually, I did actually have one that I was thinking about before. Oh, okay. okay, then do that instead, because yeah. that'll be much less <laughs> lousy. <laughs> much less awkward. <laughs> Sit down, shut up, grab a beer, bottoms up. It's a drink to the past. Wow. That's it. All right. Yeah, this I tried to come up with something like meaningful and interesting and like this is all that comes to mind, so I guess it's the best he's gonna get. I mean it it very well describes what we do, so you know. <laughs> and it's it's a catchy little jingle, so I like that. Alright. Uh today's beer of the week is whatever Crow's drinking, because I haven't had a beer of the week yet, and I'm drinking something stupid first, so I'll get to that later. Crow, what you drinking? I'm drinking a pina clot. I uh, mix it up and there was like Instructions on the bottle, so I followed it, and it just said rum, and the only rum we had was uh, Kraken Black Spice. So, I love so, Kraken. That is a great it, rum. Uh, it's strong, it, and I put a little too much ice cream in there, so it's more like I'm eating it than I'm drinking it. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I, I will have a similar issue uh, after I describe my drink for you. <laughs> that's uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be fun. Because, um, uh, actually, Kraken might be in this drink as well i'm not sure i had some kind of dark (laughs) rum yeah well kraken is usually my go-to rum but at some other points i have tried other rums and there was some kind of dark rum in a unmarked bottle in my liquor supply so that is what is in here it might be kraken it might be some other black rum (laughs) i'm not really sure are you sure it's safe uh i mean it's it's rum (laughs) It's not really ever safe, is it? Booze isn't supposed to be safe. Okay, so um, my drink this week, uh, I did a Twitter poll and asked what kind of cocktail I should make, whether it would be a vodka cocktail or a rum cocktail or whatever. There's a couple different options, and the winner was a rum cocktail. So I asked for a few suggestions, and uh, Red from the Two Guys Playing Zelda uh, Discord server uh suggested i do a rum runner which sounded real good and i was like looking through the recipe and i was like okay that actually sounds pretty good and i think i have all that or close to it and uh, you come to make this drink and i actually had almost none of it (laughs) so this is an absolute bastardization of the rum runner so the original recipe called for dark rum and light rum but i only have dark rum so it's just dark rum and more dark rum instead of dark rum and light rum uh banana liqueur it asked for i thought i had some sort of banana kalua turns out that's gingerbread kalua uh which would not have all, that would not have all been the same so instead i <laughs> mashed up some actual bananas and shoved them in there uh <laughs> at least it's healthier right yeah uh, it asked for pineapple juice. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a can of pineapples. I can, you know, crack it open and squeeze the juice out of some of them. Uh, turns out I have peaches and pears, but no pineapples. So I've got peach juice in here instead of pineapple juice. It asked for lime juice. I have lemon juice, apparently. 
asked for a raspberry liqueur, which was named on the website Red Linked Me To, and I don't remember what the name of this liqueur was, but I never heard of it, so I actually had to look it up to make sure what it was, and it's a raspberry liqueur, and of course I don't have that on hand, uh, so I... But I did, oddly enough, have actual raspberries on hand, so I just mashed some of them up and, and shoved it in there. Um, next ingredient it asked for was orange juice, and holy shit, I actually have one of the ingredients on this list. It's the only <laughs> one. One out of ten ain't bad. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, the last ingredient was uh, grenadine, and the closest thing I had was cherry coke. Close enough. Yeah, all right. So, uh, you know, all things considered, uh, bananas, peach juice, lemon juice, raspberries, orange juice, and cherry Coke and rum doesn't sound like a horrible drink overall. So it's not a rum runner even a little, but I think it's going to be okay. So let's give it a go. You made the redheaded stepchild of the rum runners. <laughs> right. There you go. What was the... Yeah. So this is, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's uh, tastes like a bunch of fruit because that's basically what it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that's not bad. Um, I'm gonna give it a just a ten out of seventeen because it's not like horribly amazing. Mostly tastes like fruit juice because uh, it, it's huh. mostly fruit juice and a little bit of rum. So haven't tasted the rum. Maybe that sank to the bottom. I have no idea. But, uh, Maybe. yeah, cool, refreshing, because it's juice. What, <laughs> what do you want from and it? It's, and it's probably the healthiest thing that's been on the show so far. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Especially after last week. Right, yeah. After <laughs> last week's couple barf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, what would you rate your pina colada? I'd give it a 15, because I fucking love pina coladas. Wow, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um... I like pina coladas. I don't have them very much. My grandfather always makes pina coladas when we go over to his house for Easter or Thanksgiving or something. But that's about the only time that I have pina colada, but I like them pretty well. All right, so going into our brief news topics for the day, um, there's a whole buttload of weird Pokemon stuff, and, like, I mean weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they had a surprise announcement of a Pokemon press conference and a Pokemon Direct coming next week. So the Pokemon press conference happened. They introduced uh, three Pokemon apps slash games because some of them seem like apps and some of them seem like... Like one of them is legit a game. One of them is obviously an app for transference of Pokemon between games and one of them is uh, maybe a game or something. We don't know. So let's go through them one by one. Pokemon Home is more or less the evolution of Pokemon Bank. Seems to be you can put Pokemon into it from basically any generation of Pokemon game that you have right now, but you can't take them out in anything except for Sword and Shield. So what do you think about that? I mean, I'm happy about it, especially being able to move, like, Pokemon Go Pokemon, it gives them a use outside of mobile. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool, because the little bit of integration you got in, like, Let's Go, where you could transfer some of them through the first 150 was kind of okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it seemed, like, slightly more tedious than it really needed to be, where you put them into the park, and then you have to go catch them, and then you're like, this Pokemon is literally not going to run. Why do I have to waste balls on it? <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> that kind of bugged me. Waste my time. So I like I, I did that like once with like something that I wanted just in my party for shits and giggles. I don't even remember what it was anymore. Um, and like a Meltan because that's the only way to get Meltan in Let's Go. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see more Pokemon Go integration with the core games. I think, you know, there's a lot that could come of this and I think it's a better way than like transferring up some of your Pokemon from old generation games and not being to, able to transfer them back. Cause right. it's, it's easier to get a lot of the same kind of Pokemon in Pokemon Go in most cases, and it's encouraged and it's part of the gameplay. So you're like, like I'm used to having like 10 Articunos in my inventory. And so if I had to, you know, transfer one and give it to my bank so that I could have it for the deck entry and Sword and Shield, I'm not going to be that heartbroken. But if it's like the one that I could ever possibly get in my uh, 3DS eShop version of Blue, then then it's going to be like, okay, I can get rid of this, but then I have to start over the game to get another one. You know, that kind of sucks. So I yeah. think it's, I, I like that aspect of it especially. It'll be interesting to see how the stats can like translate from Go to Pokemon Home and thusly to the games. Yeah, I was kind of foggy on that in uh, Let's Go anyways, because stats are completely different in Let's Go and Go and yeah and and really for that matter i i kind of wonder about that with pokemon bank when you transfer them from the 3ds eShop versions of red and blue when you transfer your pokemon it's literally translating it to a totally different and i think in that case it actually just re-randomizes it which is which is kind of crappy because then you can like have a hundred percent mewtwo and then you transfer him to sword and shield or or in this case um uh like like even uh through Pokemon Bank, you could put him in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire X and Y. Uh, yeah. And then he's completely re-rolled and he could be like a 0% in theory, you know? So that kind of sucks. I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, huh. So that's... I imagine they're probably doing the same thing with Go to the core games, that but, would I'm, but I'm not probably sure. probably be the easiest. Yeah. Or at least like give it a range like the higher the the cp the higher the stats or right. something like that yeah something like After. that because it's kind of like you could theoretically have 100 percent mewtwo that you're level 40 and you maxed out with all the candy and you you know walk a thousand kilometers just to have enough candy to max him out or something and then you transfer mm -hmm. him and suddenly he's shit you know yeah uh so that would be lame um so other than that uh like still in like you can keep those ones in go just be like oh look i have 100 percent mewtwo and then transfer your shitty ones to re-roll their ivs and in most cases you won't be all that upset if you've got a handful of mewtwo's which most active pokemon go players probably do i legit want to see a picture of somebody that has a pokemon home filled with slack goths <laughs> It's that gonna is my happen. Hope. That is my hope. <laughs> it's gonna happen eventually. All right. So uh, there was a new Pokemon mobile game announced, also Pokemon Masters, which uh, yeah. it looks kind of cool because I love triple battles, and I'm like one of the few people I think that really missed them when they took them out in uh, Sun yeah, and Moon. You. 
Um, yeah, it was really fun kind of creating dynamic teams that were there to support each other. I, I had a team of water Pokemon that I called my fish tank team because they were all water types and they were all really tanky. So fish, fish tank. what? Fish tank. Okay, there we go. Get it? It, it cut up twice. Oh, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, because yeah, they were all really like, tanky Pokemon. So I had like um, uh, one of my stars was actually Mega Slowbro. Because his defensive stats are ridiculous. And then he would just sit there and use Heal Pulse on my other Pokemon to heal him up when you beat him up. And then uh, Slack Off, he could learn and heal himself. And on the other side, I had a Slowking that was doing exactly the same thing. (laughs) And then in the middle, I would have, you know, either a bulky... Uh, like a Swampert or a Blastoise or something in the middle to really kind of soak up some hits and deal out some big damage numbers. So it was, you know, I kind of missed that just in general. Uh, In Sun and Moon, I was like, what about triple battles? But I feel like they were generally less popular than the other methods, uh, so I think I'm in the minority there. Yeah, well, I mean... It's a lot more to deal with, so I can understand why people didn't like it. <laughs> and then Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapper, Sapphire kind of ruined the Sapper. meta. Yeah, Alpha Sapper. <laughs> <laughs> right. They kind of ruined the meta for triple battles with um, the ability to have one Mega plus uh, Primal Kyogre and Primal Groudon. So then pretty much if you weren't running Mega Rayquaza, Primal Groudon, and Primal... Uh, Kyogre in your team online you were you were just boned because everybody yeah. else was doing that and they would switch the weather effects to best screw you over and there was nothing you could do because like most of your weather effects wouldn't affect their weather effects unless you had another primal to counteract their primal so right. it was like retarded so every team literally had to have those three Pokemon as half their team to even compete. I'm sure legendaries aren't, you know, allowed in every tournament or everything. Uh, My chair is breaking. That is odd. I am going to switch chairs. Did I ever tell you about the uh, Pokemon I got in Wonder Trade? The the Buzzwool? Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, so in uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I got a Buzzwool. Very clearly a Hackmon. Oh yeah. Uh, it was a a level five shiny perfect IVs and EVs buzzwool with a move set that I'm pretty sure he didn't nor- normally get. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Sweet. I hate Buzzwool, so I gave it to my roommate Trevor because he loves him. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um Buzzwool's kinda interesting. He's got a I think he's got one of those like designs that's so stupid and weird that it's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know, I Never used literally any Ultra Beast in any of my parties. I just never played used, with any of them. I used Nagonadel, the uh, Poipole Evolution. He's so fucking fast. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, anyways, back to Pokemon Masters. Uh, seems to be mostly yes. centered around triple battles, but it's like you and two other trainers from around the like all of Pokemon it looks like it because it's like they had Cynthia in there they had uh, Brock and Misty 
Uh, so it looks like you're going to like team up with other trainers. And now uh, I feel like the current running theory that most people are going with is it's going to be a gotcha system where like you collect them and that would be a pain in the ass and I would hate that. Yeah. But it's not confirmed so far. So maybe you just get different ones as you go. Maybe. I don't know. I'll try it, but I feel like it's just going to be a mobile game and I'm going to quit it after a week. That's, I don't know, you still play Pokemon Go. Yeah, that that's, that's cool. the exception that proves the rule, which is weird because, <laughs> like, I, I've tried so many and, like, even the ones that I really, really like, I just can't keep doing for some reason. Like, um, I really liked Stranger Things, the game, because it, it really mm. played, like, Link to the Past and it was awesome, but just something about it just turned me off and eventually I was just like, yeah, I'm bored and I'm not going to do it. And I was like, now I'm like, I kind of still want to see what all happened in the story there and how it ties into the series, because I really love Stranger Things, the series. But now I'll never yeah. know, because I'm probably not going to go back to it. Till the next time. Yeah, maybe eventually. If I had time without kids or something, then I'd just sit down and grind it all out in a day or something. <laughs> but uh, that is not a thing that happens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Do you have any feelings on the collection system, what it might be other than a gotcha system, if anything, or it, the game in general? I feel like they're going to treat it almost like Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, just in its design and layout where it's kind of random. Right. Um, but that's that's more my hope, I guess. Uh -huh. I, could, I could very easily see a gotcha system going. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be cool and they'll be level-based. Yeah, maybe. Um, Earn your opponents. Yeah, that could be cool. So, other big Pokemon announcement was Pokemon Sleep. <laughs> Which, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I actually Pokemon don't... Pokemon Go Home and Sleep. Right, yeah. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, that is the best meme ever, you win meme of the year. <laughs> yeah, um, my favorite. Yeah, so Pokemon Sleep is apparently a game where you track your sleep through your smartphone and somehow get Pokemon, I guess, but they've given us literally no fucking information on this stupid game. So now everybody's like, how does this make any sense? And the the pretty much the go-to answer is it, it just doesn't. <laughs> Pokemon, that's how. Yeah, right? So, uh, I guess maybe if you have a more restful sleep and get your full eight hours, maybe you'll get a chance of a better Pokemon? I don't know. Uh, maybe. But, or maybe you level up Pokemon through sleeping uh, more. But, but then I'm I'm wondering, like, people... How do you game the system? Yeah, because people are going to, like, come up with some way to cheat this thing, and it's going to be hilarious. Like, uh, people that work different shifts are going to, like, get together and just have somebody sleeping in the same bed 24-7 to get all the Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I sleep eight hours, and then you sleep eight hours, and then you sleep eight hours, and then I'll come back because I'll be done with work. Perfect. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, people did the same thing by tying their Pokemon Go phone to their dog and having him run around the yard, so... It, <clears throat> something hilarious like this is going to happen and it's going to make like a reasonable amount of headlines and it's going to be retarded. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I don't know. I've, like, I want to talk about it more and react to it slightly, but they didn't give us enough to really go off of. So, yeah, we really have nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess we'll just move on. Last uh, announcement about Pokemon was about the Pokemon Direct next week, which... Uh, it's going to be interesting for our E3 bets, because both of us bet that Sword and Shield would get a trailer, and you bet it would get a release date in uh, yeah. E3. And if they get that in a Pokemon Direct, like, a week before E3, and both of us are, like, cheated out of a point, that's kind of lame. <laughs> I still say, if I get the date right, I get to count that as a win. That's fair. That is so specific. Yeah, so if, if there's a trailer or you get the date right, then you get a point. Uh, I, I mean, there's going to be a trailer. There. That's the whole point. Of it. Yeah, but, like, I'm wondering now if there's going to be an actual trailer at E3 or if they're just going to um, be like, the direct was enough and we'll have Treehouse stream or something. Because I could see that. That would make sense. And, you know, probably a demo on the show floor I wouldn't be surprised about. Um, so. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because they had it for Let's Go, but it was like a really short demo, which later they released, and now it's in GameStop. So whenever I go into GameStop, I just like put my kids in front of the Switch demo machine, and they sit there yeah. and catch Pokemon, and it's hilarious. Because I'm like, we could do this at home. We've done this at home for hours, but it still entertains them, and now I can go stand in line for 10 minutes and get my pre-order or whatever I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. I, I low-key don't play... The Pokemon demo, but I will still play the Mario Kart demo while I'm at work if there's nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because what else am I gonna do? Right. Um, I don't know. You could you could turn on your phone and work. play Pokemon Sleep. <laughs> don't tempt <send> me. <laughs> right. <laughs> does does sleep count if you're at work? Like if you take naps during the day, do you get to get points for Pokemon Sleep? Power nap. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so any uh, predictions for the Pokemon Direct next week? I mean, we'll definitely... I'm, I imagine we'll get at least a couple Pokemon. At least, like, one or two. Right. Um, just to try and maybe establish some version exclusives, or at least some new things. Right. Maybe, maybe identify who's coming back. Like that, that would actually be reasonable. Make you wait for who's new. That might be um, kind of cool. Um, I could see them revealing, like, the uh, Pidgey and Rattata of the generation, so to speak. Because every generation has one of those. And they're usually one of the first few Pokemon to be revealed. Um, I don't think they're going to reveal starter evolutions quite yet. They usually wait after a few reveals to do that. So Yeah, it took them a while to release the evolution lines for Sun and Moon. I remember right. Yeah, um, I feel like it was a fair way in, and we'd already seen a, a pretty large amount of different Pokemon, because they, like, eventually they'll just start dropping, like, a trailer a week, like, hey, here's two new Pokemon uh, here, uh, you know, whatever. I don't think they revealed the, the final evolutions until, like, a month or so before the game's release. Like, it was very late in the cycle. Yeah, it was, like, pretty Too much light. like that and then the legendaries, I think. Uh, yeah, they were definitely last, I remember that. Yeah, and then it wasn't very long after that that the game was actually just released, I feel like. Um, I'm not sure exactly on the timing of that, but I feel like it was something along those lines. 
a long ass time ago. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else Pokemon Direct related? I had something and then I forgot what it was because booze. All right, you forgot that. what it is, so you have to drink. Right? That's part of the game. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yep, too, too much at one time. I'm good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too overzealous. Yep, you'll, you'll have to practice more if you want to win the uh, drink to the past uh, drinking chugging competition that we're apparently going to have at some point. I just made up. <laughs> sure. That sounds like a good time, although it'll be hard to judge because we, we, we're not like on video or anything. Who the hell knows? Idea. Mm-hmm. For, uh, let's see, the uh, Zelda's birthday, like the Legend of Zelda franchise birthday for the U.S. is like August 7th or okay. something like that. Cool. A drink to the past live stream on that day. Okay. That would be interesting. Uh, we can have a check contest then. Yeah. If I have uh, the ability to do that, that would be kind of cool. I might have to use my crappy-ass webcam, but... I might be able to make it work. Let's do it. All right. I'll be there if you'll be there. At least tentatively. (laughs) I'll be there in spirit. (laughs) In spirit? Yeah. Because spirit is another word for booze. Exactly. You're wonderful. All right. Last piece of news this week is yesterday, they randomly dropped a trailer for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in virtual reality. Well, hold on, because that's the topic of the day. There is one piece of news you're forgetting. Yeah, um, uh, got that... more stuff about Kings of Hyrule. Oh, we did. Uh, yeah, that, that, we this is also a news topic, but now I will add Cadence of Hyrule after that. Okay, cool. Because uh, we enough. have another gaming topic uh, that we will get to. But actually, I apparently missed this Cadence of Hyrule news. What the hell happened? Tell us all about that, yeah. bro. They dropped a uh, gameplay footage. Like, you can just straight up see gameplay, what it looks like, and it looks fucking awesome. It looks exactly like what you think it is. Like, it's just beat-based Zelda, but it looks like fun. Okay. Um, and they confirmed that it is in June. So okay. So it's not today, obviously, because it's not out right. at this point. But Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be happening in June. Okay. So, so the new running theory is they're going to drop it at the end of E3. So my shadow drop... Uh, prediction might come true. It's uh, looking cause, likely. Yeah, because that was one of mine. Uh, was Cadence of Hyrule Shadow Drop. Um, so that would be very exciting. I'm like very surprised that that somehow I missed that. Probably because I haven't been on Twitter all day because I went fishing. Uh, but I have two catfish in the fridge, so fuck everybody else. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's awesome. Uh, so I'll have to look that up as soon as we're done here. I'll look up the trailer and uh, and see what that's all about. Um, sweet. Okay, so Cadence of Hyrule, apparently there's footage. You can go check that out. Um, and Super Smash Bros. Virtual Reality is uh, not our gaming topic yet, but still one of our news things. But I think it's got enough that we could have a little discussion about it anyways because it's like this is – Pretty interesting stuff, because it's uh, yet a third official Nintendo game outside of the actual Labo product that is getting support for the VR, and there's another third-party game, Spice and Wolf, has just announced that they're going to have a patch that allows you to play the game in virtual reality as well. 
Um, really? Yeah. What's that um, about? I have no idea. It's some sort of anime-looking game. I've like I've seen I've seen stuff about it before, but I've never played one or talked to anybody about it. So I, I <laughs> I'm totally lost. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's uh, I'm not totally sure. But like the trailer had like you're petting this like anime fox chick. And you can pet her in virtual reality, so that's kinky, I guess. Huh. <laughs> uh, no idea what the rest of it's about. That might be the whole game. I have no idea. Maybe you just say, do you need more reason? Right? Yeah, pet your waifu <clears throat> in virtual reality. Um, so, what do you think about Smash VR? Have you tried it? I have, because as you know, I have Smash and I have the Labo. There you and, go. Uh, my advice for people who get it. Uh, sit down when you do it. <laughs> that's, that's good. Even though, you, even though you're not moving because of the low resolution of the screen, you will get motion sick. Or at least I did. Mm. But it's still really cool. You're limited to like 20 or so maps that you can be on. So right. all of them. It kind of makes sense because some of them are like, you know, differently sized maps. I feel like fucking Hyrule Temple would be absurd to try and look at and pay attention to in yeah. virtual reality. Um, so I, I, I kind of get that. I'm not that mad that there's only a few maps. Uh, and, and there's still a pretty good selection just because of how many fucking maps are in this game. Because there's 103 yeah. stages in the base game. Plus, if you got the DLC now, that's 104, right? And you can download custom ones. Yeah, uh, so no custom ones in the VR, of course. Um, so uh, I also tried it out, and I have a couple of interesting complaints that I'm not sure most people will have, because uh, one of the things that I was kind of looking forward to was just sitting back and relaxing with my head strap on, because I rednecked myself a head strap with an old belt and a piece of paracord, and it that. works great in Breath of the Wild, but uh, Super Smash Brothers actually checks and forces you to use Joy-Cons attached to the system. So I couldn't use my Pro Controller like I do with Breath of the Wild, which works really good. And uh, I like I tried starting the game with the Joy-Cons attached and then detaching them, and then it just wouldn't let me move with the Joy-Cons detached. Uh, so... It's, it's really forcing you to play it the way that Nintendo intends you to play it instead of the way that is actually semi-comfortable. Because I don't want to hold my arms up to my fucking face for 20 minutes for, for a battle or, or whatever, you know? Even just, like, That's the two-minute battles are, like, you know, it, it gets a little tiresome. Feels like an eternity. Yeah. Um, my only other kind of gripes about it was you couldn't use items at all. Um... Which kind of ruins Super Smash Brothers for me a little bit, because I'm like, uh, without items, it's just a fighting game, you know? Yeah. It, it's the same as any other fighting game. Smash Brothers is, like, hectic and ridiculous because partially of the items and the crazy stages. And the crazy stages are really cool in VR, some of them. Some of them are, like, kind of eh. They're not all that interesting to look at in vr but a few of them are really cool especially the uh breath of the wild tower one where you can like just look straight down the tower and all around it was kind of cool um yo for real though uh fucking shadow moses island seeing the metal gear in vr so badass oh yeah i didn't play on that one so maybe i'll have to go back so and good. check that one my favorite one was actually final destination 
just because of the fucking moving backgrounds and things in Final Destination are amazing in virtual reality. Um, well, the one that pisses me off is the uh, Spirit Tracks map. I played you on that one. can't look behind you. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't try turning all the way around. Yeah, there's like a, a just a generic white wall of a background, and if you turn more than 90 degrees to one side, then it like blacks out tells you to turn around. So right. you got to turn and face the map again. Yeah, I, I did see that in the Breath of the Wild stage when I was kind of, I paused the game and really just tried to look at how much I could see. And it's crazy the amount of detail in that stage that really just looks mm-hmm. like they pulled it straight from Breath of the Wild and stuck you on the Great Plateau. Um, but yeah, there is a limited amount of range, which I knew on that, but, uh, I didn't try it on the spirit train one. Uh, I did play on the spirit train one though, and it was really fun kind of trying to keep up with the spirit train, uh, you know, moving around when the, the train is moving within the confines of the area and then other trains are coming up Mm -hmm. and you kind of got to move your head to watch where you are and where your opponents are and other stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Did you do the boat? Uh, did not do the boat. Uh, my only VR play... or Great Sea. What? It's just the Great Sea in VR. Like you can look around and see the Great Sea. It's great. Okay, that that sounds pretty great. <laughs> yeah, um, I only played it for I don't know, like three matches, and then I was like, I also bought Rage Two yesterday, so I wanted to try that out. So I was like, damn it, too many games. Stop it. <laughs> but uh, did you get the Wingstick Edition? Uh, I did, because uh, they had one left at the GameStop that I go to, and he was like, hey, we still have this uh, Wingstick edition. You want that instead? Because it's the same price? And I was like, hell yeah. So uh, that was actually kind of fun. I actually took my kids to the park today and uh, let, let them <laughs> throw it at each other. Yeah, right. Well, I told them not to throw it at each other because <laughs> according to the instructions, it's for ages 14 and up, and I'm like, it's foam. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, don't um, underestimate my brother and I. Right? Yeah. I mean, myself and my brothers as kids, we w- we would have found a way. Uh, I mean, we would have been trying to find a way because I feel like kids in the '90s were just more violent than kids are today. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, like, like we played like Star Wars and we would beat each other up with our toy lightsabers, and my brother. Josh once uh, grabbed just a pool noodle and called it his lightsaber and started, like, whipping us with it. <laughs> that was painful. I, we had sock and boppers when we were kids. Oh, yeah. If you had those. I remember yeah. them, and uh, I, I did not have them. A buddy of mine had them, so we'd play those when we gave them to his house. My little brother and I were fighting with them on our parents' bed, which, when we were younger, was pretty, pretty uh, high. And I uppercut him in the jaw and knocked him off the bed, and he tried to catch himself, and he broke his arm. <laughs> wow. I'm awful. Yeah, you dick. How dare you? <laughs> take a drink for your poor brother's arm. <laughs> and I'll take a drink because I like drinking. I'm not an alcoholic. Reason. Alcoholics go to meetings. Um, it's only a problem when I run out. <clears throat> right, yeah. <laughs> not a... A woman drove me to drink, and I never had the decency to thank her. <coughs> Apparently, anyway. this is the section of the show where we go with uh, bad drinking jokes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so um, 
Anything else on Smash VR before we move on? I like the concept, and it's pretty cool. It's like the gimmicky thing. I want them to expand it to all the maps, I'm hoping. Right. Otherwise, like it's not a selling point for the game. Right, yeah. I don't think it'll ever be a selling point for the game. Um... I don't know. My only, my only like legit complaint that I think they should fix, and they have no reason not to do it this way, is that you can't play stock battles. You can only yes. play timed matches, and I'm like, I never play timed matches. And the first one I played, like I got like eight kills or something, and I lost because I, it was, uh, I forget what stage it was, but I kept uh, dying in the middle of it because. Some some stages are bad for Ike because he does not jump well. <laughs> and I, I died. Ganon a lot. I, yeah, I yeah, I, I play Ganondorf a lot too. So I'm like, none of my characters jump. <laughs> my two mains are are terrible jumpers. So certain stages will just like screw me up the butt. But I got the most skills, and I was like feeling pretty good about it because like all my deaths were um, pretty much like I fell off the edge for something stupid, and then I lost to uh, Yoshi, who had two kills when I had eight, just because I had fallen off of the stage so much, which was partially getting used to VR and partially just Ike sucks at jumping. Seems legit. Yeah. Uh, So bring back stock battles. I want those. Um, Yes. All right, moving on to our video game topic. We are going to somehow determine the best video game controller of all time. And I have no idea how the hell we're going to do that. Um, like, I came I up think, with this topic and I was like, what do we rank it on? I think we should judge it by comfort, usability, and just genuine, like, does it work well? Right. Yeah, that's legit. Uh, nope. N64 controller ranks dead last. <laughs> that's a funny thing, because I was, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about different controllers I've used over the years, and N64, obviously, when you're talking about unique controllers, is pretty much the one that jumps straight to the top of the list. Um, oh, it's most unique, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I was thinking, like, legitimately... There's not a game that it didn't work for. Is there? No. <laughs> Every game had some form of support, be it using the D-pad or the joystick. Yeah, uh, sometimes, but very seldom both. Like Mario 64. Yeah, or um, uh, Pokemon Stadium had a weird mini game. Yeah. <laughs> um... Although I feel like also you could have used that to mimic twin stick control for a shooter, which nobody did because at the time, like, one stick was standard, so they just did, like, uh, you know, you move and turn with the same stick because yeah. there was no twin stick. Um, but, like, objectively speaking, the N64 controller has a lot going for it. It's got more buttons on its face than a lot of controllers like any controller at the time, obviously. Now controllers are basically in the same range as the N64. But did the N64 standardize having that many buttons? Mm, no, I don't. Well, no, I don't think it did. So what controller the, did? I don't. 
I don't know if there's any, like, one controller that you could attribute it to. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think the last generation is when more buttons became the standard. The, the Wii U, PS3, Xbox 360. Right, well, before that, you had the PS2, PS... Or the PS2 and the PlayStation actually had the same amount of buttons as the PS4, basically, just without the uh, uh, touchpad thingy. Um, yeah, that's fair. And yes. uh, did the PS3 have motion controls, I, or or something like that? I feel like there was some kind of gimmick other than just being wireless. Maybe it was just being wireless. There, I think so. Because at the, the time, being wireless had. was not standard in. Um, so that that was a big thing in the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 generation that I always think of. That's what they did as their kind of. Uh, yeah. You know big step forward is standardization of wireless uh, controllers um, which I would personally I would attribute that back to GameCube because everybody's got fond memories of their WaveBird that ever had one and like without that kind of implementing that sort of wireless instead of the crappy infrared that worked on some older wireless controllers um like, I don't think we would have made that jump. I think we'd still be having wires if it wasn't for the WaveBird or something else had to come along like that mid-generation, you know. You know, even if it wasn't the WaveBird, if that never existed, then maybe halfway through the Xbox 360's life cycle, somebody might have invented the same sort of technology or something. Maybe. The GameCube did a lot for controller design. Yeah, that's true. Um... Because GameCube actually has uh, all the buttload of buttons like the N64 did, uh, but yeah. also it was the first Nintendo controller to have a twin stick, um, which kind of consolidated the buttons a little better because having all four C buttons and A and B right in a row was kind of a buttload of buttons right in one hand. Uh, yeah. I think four buttons on your right hand just works better than the six. I felt the same thing kind of playing on, like, back in, like, way, way back, playing between Sega Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo. The six-button layout just always felt kind of weird to me. Which might They're partially be because really I had too. a lot more games for Super Nintendo than I did for Genesis, but I'm not sure. I have five, five or six, somewhere in there. For, uh, for Genesis? Genesis. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I had something like that because we had, um, like, I had, I, I think we had a Sonic game, but I'm, I'm actually not sure anymore. I'm trying to think of what the hell Sonic game I played on Genesis, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it could just be Sonic the Hedgehog. It could have been, but. Like, I don't have any specific memories of playing that on... Like, when I think of Genesis, mostly I think of... uh, We had NHL 1998 and uh, Road Rash were the two big ones that we played. And we had a handful of other ones. Yeah. Our big three were Altered Beast, uh, Kid Chameleon, and... One other one that I'm forgetting. Mm -hmm. Golden Axe. Okay. I've heard a lot of good things about that. I never played Golden Axe. So good. Yeah. You can get it on the, on the Switch. There's a Genesis Classic cartridge. Oh, cool. Yeah, I saw that yeah, actually in class. the in the store the other day, and I was like, uh, you know, looking at the Genesis 
lineup and I was like this is like most of what I would want in the Genesis Mini that they're releasing soon but it's like way cheaper and works on my Switch yeah because <laughs> I'm like why do people buy these mini things but I say that and I have the NES and Super Nintendo minis because <laughs> I, I buy them partially for collector value because they're cool and yeah and also I've had a lot of fun just playing with my kids reliving my past and you know introducing them to some games because i feel like it's hard to introduce kids to games these days because of how much more complicated they are than they were when i was a kid yeah because you'd introduce i introduced them to super mario brothers one two or three on uh my uh mini systems and they can just pick it up and play it I you know I, I give them the controller and try and have them play breath of the wild and they're lost completely don't you know, they just push buttons and move sticks and nothing really happens and they just wander around inside the shrine for 10 hours until they die. Yeah. <laughs> Cause my nephew, I introduced him to the SNES Classic because that was the main one that my sister and I grew up on. Uh-huh. And he, he loves Super Mario World now, uh, which makes me happy. That is good. That is the best Mario game. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I mean, I care a little. Yeah, it's that's a great fucking game. Um, yeah. So, anyways, back to our original topic that we've derailed from, yes. I think, three times since we were last talking about it. Best controller of all time. So, uh, we're scratching off N64 because it was awkward as shit. Is that pretty much what we're going to? I think that's the general consensus. Because, objectively, yeah, it worked. It did a lot more than any controller, but it was still awkward as shit. Um... So, are we going to go old school or new school on this? Because I feel like there's two ways we could really go, because the simplicity of the original NES controller can't really be beat, you know? Because, again, I can teach my two-year-old how to play Mario Brothers, uh, but then you can't do nearly as many complicated things like uh, you couldn't possibly play Breath of the Wild on that. Yeah, I think you would have to separate them. In the in the old school vein, I actually like the SNES controller better, just because it, it feels more comfortable you could do more or less the same things that's true and you could do a lot more things because obviously it has four face buttons and two shoulder buttons uh which right. opened up controls in a lot of ways particularly um with uh, the very limited amount of games that actually use the super fx chip but in Star Fox 2 was some like surprisingly good 3d moments which unfortunately obviously star fox 2 didn't actually release on the super nintendo just on the super nintendo classic but playing it again i'm like wow this is i wonder if there were other super fx games with this because i know there was a handful of super fx games but i don't know what any of them were except for star fox (laughs) i mean the the one game that jumps to mind and i'm surprised you didn't call it out first uh zelda like Jumping from Zelda's one and two into a link to the past was just like a monumental leap at the time. Uh, it was. Uh, that wasn't a Super FX chip game, though. I know. Yeah. Uh, I so, mean, like, but yeah, again, do. that that is uh, that you know that's absolutely right because you know you had your uh, uh, you know you could suddenly use. I'm trying to remember, actually. I haven't played Link to the Past in a long time, and I'm like, what the hell did the X and Y buttons do? Uh, but one of them was like your Pegasus boots, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I once think it, you just, got those. it just lets you use more 
like gear. Yeah, the same um, thing. Like yeah. it gave you more versatility in the field. Yeah, so there was that did open up a lot of doors for Zelda. Um, so just having the face buttons and shoulder buttons, let's say Super Nintendo cuts original NES out of the park. Now, what are we going to do about the Sega Genesis controller there? Because that's got the six buttons, which I thought was more awkward, but technically... Yeah, not too much. Yeah, okay. That's kind of what I was thinking, because technically superior, because it's got more buttons, but that doesn't mean it's not, you know, just slightly more awkward. How many games actually used them all, though? Right? Yeah, because Sonic used one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hold left and press... Hey. Right. Uh, I think Road Rash used. Let's see. You had an accelerate. You had a brake, and you had your attack buttons. Uh, which I don't even remember what the hell those were. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure the only thing that would have benefited from it was Street Fighter, but I don't think Street Fighter was on the Genesis. I don't remember. I wasn't a big fighting games kid. Right, yeah. I, I, I remember my brother kicked my ass a lot at Street Fighter because I always suck at fighting games. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, me too. Right. But, yeah, I'm trying to... Because Street Fighter, you had that kind of three-button layout or six-button layout in arcades, and they tried to mimic that with the uh, shoulder buttons on Super Nintendo, which I think could have been slightly better implemented on the arcade to console translation on Genesis, but I'm pretty sure Street Fighter never came to Genesis. Pretty sure. So... I don't remember. Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea if any game ever used all six buttons. I don't think anything I did, did. So the, the next question becomes how does the uh, SNES controller... It's it seems like that's the number one right now. How does that stack up against PS1? So I feel like that's the last sort of retro style controller. Right. So are we going we PS1 DualShock. original or the... Because the, the original, original PS1 controller didn't have the twin sticks. Yeah. Which DualShock is, 1, I feel, is different from the original controller because, because of the sticks. Yeah. Um... Because that's really what I think is the definitive factor there. Because basically, the original PS1 controller is a copy and paste of the Super Nintendo controller, but it's got two or it's got four shoulder buttons, two triggers on each side instead of the two. That's the only advantage yeah. it has. Um, it's maybe a little more ergonomic because it's you know actually got handles to hold on to um was it the first controller to have handles uh Uh, no i believe the n64 came out before the ps1 okay yeah because that's what i was thinking i was trying to think of which one came out first actually um i'll look that up in a second yeah because i'm not sure which one came out first because i feel like that would be a big thing is which one had handles uh and if this is the first one to have handles then I feel like that's a leg up at least in terms of innovation for controllers on the whole, and it should get some bonus points for that. The PS1 released December 3rd, 1994, a year before I was born. Oh, You're a youngin. And 64 came out in 96, so PS1 did it first. Okay. 
So bonus points for first controller to have a handle. Although on the same, on a, on a related note, it was also the first controller, but it was also co-developed by Nintendo before the whole, oh, we're dropping out kind of now Sony and Nintendo are enemies thing in right. the mid-90s, which um, kind of ended up sucking for Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they gave birth to their biggest and probably only true rival. Sorry, Xbox. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Xbox had its run, <clears throat> which is to say it had Halo 1 and Halo 2. I'd even say Halo 3 was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed Halo 3. It was solid. And Reach. And ODS 2. You know what? Just before um, 343 Industries took over. Right. Bungie um, did good. Yeah, Bungie, like, like even before Halo, actually, I was following Bungie because before that, they actually developed a few shooters for Mac, uh, which was funny because really? I was a Mac kid instead of a PC kid, and we didn't have a lot of cool games, but Marathon, the, the Marathon series, which is more or less a prequel to the Halo series, uh, which came out beforehand on Mac, mm. was fucking awesome. So there. Interesting. Yeah. So let's go back to the PS1 versus Super Nintendo. Does innovation in the fact that it standardized handles in controllers make up for whatever else the PS1 or the uh, Super Nintendo controller had? I think it does. I think I would put the PS1 controller above the SNES controller because... It, it standardized two things, the handles and the, like, dual bumper trigger thing. Um, yeah. And also, just, like I said, it was more ergonomic. It was a little bit more comfortable and still is for me than trying to, to grip the flat, boob-shaped controller of the SNES. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, so. I think that's fair. I think, objectively speaking, it's actually just better, personally, uh, without the twin sticks, to me, I don't care. I would take the Super Nintendo, you know, just as many times as I would take the original PS1. But yeah, It's very close. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you're just going to get down to it, I feel like you just kind of have to be like, okay, it was actually a physically better controller objectively. And that's the only yeah. thing, you, you know, like I can have my gut and be like, but I like Super Nintendo better, but it doesn't actually make it better. <laughs> so <clears throat> PS1 controller has it up. Okay, so now does that fall to DualShock immediately because twin sticks? 100%. Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> We're on the same page yeah. there because twin sticks kind of like it seemed like a gimmick at the time. I didn't get it. I was like, why are there two control sticks on this thing? I don't... Why yeah. would you ever need to? And then I played my first shooter on Xbox, actually, was Halo, was the first twin-stick shooter I played. And I was like, at first it was weird, but, like, after a very small kind of learning period, it suddenly became natural. And I was like, oh, this actually works really, really great with first-person shooters. And then over the years, that has developed to be just the standard yeah the standard in not just first person shooters but every video game you just control your camera with the other stick and it it just feels right 
Yeah. So, as much arguing as we did in favor of the poor PlayStation 1 controller, it's fucked by twin sticks. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, let's go that console generation. Xbox original controller uh, or the controller S. So, the fatty or the controller S versus PlayStation slash PlayStation 2, because there wasn't really a difference between the DualShock 1 and DualShock 2, was there? Not really. Actually, Uh, no, at all, because the guy trading in a PS1 and some PS2 accessories, and at first glance, I couldn't tell the difference between a DualShock 1 and DualShock 2. Yeah. So. I'm pretty sure they were the same controller, just they put a 2 on it and colored it black. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, So... Okay, so DualShock 2 versus Xbox Controller S or Xbox Fatty Controller versus GameCube Controller. What are we what are we thinking there? The Duke versus the PSD2 versus GC. I would have to give it to the GameCube. Like uh-huh. of all of them, the GameCube is probably the most like memorable get controller ever. I mean, let's face it, it's standardized designs for Xbox and Nintendo. Yeah, that's kind of fair. Um, it, it was it was the format. And also, it's it was kind of weird the way that uh, Xbox... Like, I actually didn't mind it on Xbox as much as I did on... Um, uh, let's see, N64 or Genesis, but the six face buttons on the original Xbox controller actually worked for me fine i didn't have any problem with it because it it felt like the abxy were your primary buttons and then every now and then some game or another would use the black and white buttons for something and it would always be like that utility thing that you only used every now and then so it didn't matter as much so right and honestly i just thought the fatty controller was one of the most comfortable controllers ever because it's fucking huge and my hands are big and i love it (laughs) I still think it's a bit on the bulky side, but I, I know still it is, and that's it why I like it. <laughs> over the DualShock. Like mm. PlayStation's controllers, my first and foremost complaint with them is they are so fucking scrawny. And this is coming from a guy who is six foot three and one hundred and fifty pounds. Mm. I know all about scrawny. Right. <laughs> it is not comfortable to grip, but the GameCube was the best. Mm-hmm. Those yep. triggers, man. So satisfying. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I never actually thought about the triggers at all until uh, somebody was lamenting the fact that they didn't have physical triggers on the Switch Pro Controller. And I was like, what even is the difference? I've never even thought about it. And then, like, thinking back, I was like, oh, actually, there was a ton of games, like, in that generation that I played that used the physical triggers for something, like uh, Kirby Air Ride or uh, a lot of racing games, just in general. And uh, Halo was one of them as well that used the physical triggers on Xbox. Um, So it's it's something I took for granted at the time. And now that I don't have it, I don't actually care on, like, current, current gen consoles. I'm like... Whatever. I mean, they're they're physical on PS4, but like I don't I don't notice that they're not physical on Switch. I'm gonna check something. Uh, talk about something. I can still hear you. I'll be right back. Okay. So, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and uh, do the debate of wireless versus wired, uh, which came about in the next generation, uh, which I'm pretty sure just is going to completely win over our Xbox versus PS1 versus uh, uh, GameCube debate is wireless just beats out all. So the only one left in the race is GameCube because of the Waveberg, which, as I already said, kind of standardized that. Um, and let's just kick out Xbox and PS1 and PS2. So we're going to PS3, which was the first console with a standard wireless uh, GameCube, which had an optional wireless, but it was at the expense of no rumble. Uh, there was no rumble in the Waveberg controller. It was kind of lame, but... Uh, it, that was also a feature that I never really missed very much. I played with the GameCube WaveBird all the time. I still have mine. I play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate with it sometimes. I bought an adapter for it. It's pretty badass. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think the wires just anymore are a pain in the ass. Every time I'm setting up any kind of old thing, or even even my retro mini systems, which we were talking about earlier, are just kind of a pain with wires. So everything with wires, I'm kicking you out. So GameCube, WaveBird versus PS3 versus Xbox 360 is going to be my debate next. I never played any PS3, but the, the controller was exactly the same as the PS1 and 2, as far as I know except it was wireless. That was the gimmick at the time. Uh, no innovation of its own, so I'm going to kick that one out. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay. I think so, it still comes down to GameCube versus uh, 360 controller. You could almost even say the, uh, the Wii Classic controller, because while, yeah, it's technically wired, it's wired to a Wii remote, which is wireless, <laughs> so yeah. it's not like you're tethered anywhere. Right. Um... So, I'd still like the GameCube controller better, though. Yeah, I say GameCube controller over that, because the twin sticks were weird, the format was weird. Um, the only way I liked it was with a grip that my brother had that actually held the Wii remote, and then it had, like, uh, some handles that kind of came up around the thing. So it was a, it was a cool little grip. And then, it you know, you, you didn't have to have your actual wire hanging to a Wii remote on the couch or something. You, it was all just right there because it held the Wii remote in your hands. But at that point, it was also a little heavy. So even with that, I would just say WaveBird. Better. Yeah. Um, especially since we didn't really play a whole lot of games with that. I think my brother mostly got that because he liked using that controller for Smash Brawl on Wii. Because um, I, I played with my GameCube controller still through Smash Brawl, and basically every Wii game I had that would allow me to use my controller, I would use my yeah. controller. So I played through uh, Fire Emblem with it. I played through uh, several other games. I don't I don't remember all what was compatible and what wasn't. I almost said Twilight Princess because I played through Twilight Princess with that GameCube controller, but I didn't do it on Wii because obviously you had to use the motion controls on the Wii version, and I was like, oh yeah, there was actually a GameCube version of that. Dumbass. Right. <laughs> cool. Uh, so now we've got to the weird point where we have to talk about the Wii Remote. Uh, does that even stand a chance? It's got no twin stick. It does yeah. have motion controls, uh, which have sort of become standard. They've become standard in Nintendo systems, 
and they're now in PS4 as well, but very seldom are integrated in games on PS4. In terms of innovation, the Wii Remote is probably the king, just because of that motion control. Because Xbox tried to emulate it with their Kinect, PlayStation tried to emulate it first with their motion control, like actual motion control sticks, and then with PS4 motion control, and neither of them have done as well as Nintendo's, and it is a like staple of Nintendo now. The DS or the 3DS has it. The Wii U had it. The Wii had it. The Switch has it. Like it's their thing, right? So and it's all thanks to the Wiimote. That's all pretty true. But uh, can all that dethrone our current fan favorite, the uh, GameCube Wavebird? No. Okay. Like <laughs> it's it's good in innovation. That's about it. It's awkward to hold. It's for games that require to flip it sideways, and there's a few. That sucks. I hate it. Right. It's not um, comfortable. I, I didn't mind it sideways. Uh, in some cases, I preferred it. Like, I actually, if I was given the choice of sideways um, Wii Remote versus a Wii Remote and Nunchuck in Smash Brawl, I would prefer mm-hmm. the sideways Wii Remote because I don't so, want so my I- B button to be a fucking trigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in, in some games I really liked it better, um, but at the same time I didn't really like it all that much. Um, let's, let's have an interesting sidebar here and, uh, just compare it to a pair of Joy-Cons. Joy-Cons win? Because Joy-Cons have dual sticks. Joy-Cons can do the sideways thing, but, uh, it's two of them. Uh, none of your buttons suddenly have to be a trigger. They're not tethered together by a wire. That was the winner for me. Yeah. You can be lazy and just have them, like, spread as far apart as your wingspan will allow. Right. Versus being tethered by a two-foot cable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which in in some games would have actually helped me, because I remember in, uh, uh, no more heroes when you got uh, some of the super combos it would like have you point the nunchuck and the Wii remote in different directions to do the combos and uh, mm-hmm. if you were pulling them directly apart I remember several times where I actually just yanked my cord out of the Wii remote <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah Joy-Cons win okay so no more Wii remote and we'll come back to Joy-Cons later uh, as we work through the ranks um, so PS3, Xbox 360, does either of them beat up... Uh, I guess we we already killed out PS3, so does Xbox 360 stack up against Wavebird? That's tough. The 360 is a very comfortable controller, and one of the things... Like, one of the biggest things for me that just... Like, Xbox in general, and Nintendo's, like, controller controllers will always edge out PlayStation is the offset joysticks is so much more comfortable than inline like playstations. Yeah. I think that's um, a big thing. Um, cause like now I'm playing more PS4 games and it, it's not as bad. Uh, when I first got my PS4, it was really awkward to play like God of war with the stick down there. Uh, so it's, it's definitely something that like some players will like better or whatever but i i also like the offset better and i'm not as it doesn't bug me as much now that i've had my ps4 for like six months but yeah 
it's it's definitely just not as good. Um, so let's go objective speaking. Xbox 360 uh, versus WaveBird controller. Uh, Xbox 360 had a rechargeable battery. Uh, didn't have to switch out double A's all the time. Uh, yeah. Or no, it didn't. I mean, you can get a rechargeable right, battery. Right, you could get a rechargeable battery. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because I, I think we had one with a, with a rechargeable but that wasn't standard at the time. So you did. So double A's are still a thing um, until next generation. Um, which it's it's also awkward for me to kind of think about this because actually when I had my Xbox, I still have my Xbox 360, and the controller I used was a wired one because I bought the uh, core system, which didn't come with a hard drive, and it came with a wired controller to save on costs. And uh, my brother had just upgraded and bought like a 120 gig hard drive, which at the time was huge and gave me his old like 10 gig hard drive. So I just could buy the core system and get away with it because I had a hard drive. Sweet. Um, So, yeah, but uh, anyways, back to the controller thing. Um, It's got more face buttons. It has a start and a back button as opposed to just a start button. It has the middle button, which did most console commands and could turn on the system from a distance. That was cool. Um, And it had more shoulder buttons. has four instead of three. So, objectively speaking, does it edge out our beloved GameCube WaveBird? Or does... Your gut tell you, no, fuck that shit. Mechanically speaking, yes. It, it did more, and everything was like, it had a purpose. So it's not like it was lost, like the, like the white and black controls on the, on the Duke, which were used maybe 5% of the time. Like, everything had a reason. Right. <sighs> Comfort, it's a, it's a toss-up. It really is. Yeah. I don't know. I'd call it a draw. Okay, so we'll call it a draw. Maybe come back to that later. Um, so, what's next? Uh, Xbox One, I don't have any experience with. Uh, have you played with an Xbox One controller? I have. Good? Bad? Uh, good. good. Like, of the Xbox controllers, Xbox One is the best. Okay. Um, looking at... Like, all of the current-gen systems edge out their predecessors. Like, the the Switch Pro controller edges out all the previous controllers in my mind. The Xbox One controller edges out 360 and original. PS4 edges out PS1s 2 and 3. But, I don't know. I, I've been sitting here fucking with my Switch Pro controller and my Xbox One controller to see which one I like more. Okay. Now here I'm going to throw you a curveball. Um, I'm going to throw the Wii sure. U gamepad into the mix because I <laughs> fucking love the Wii U gamepad. It's got everything that every controller we have talked about so far has going for it, plus uh, mm-hmm. full motion controls, which some of them did, some of them didn't, plus a fucking touch screen. Yeah, I mean. Objectively speaking, it has more than any other controller unless you want to say the touchscreen is comparable to the 
NFC reader in the Switch controller or something, which, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like with a 360 controller, mechanically speaking, yeah, gamepad, super cool. It's mm-hmm. like just straight up a win. Um, but the problem was with it's what caused the like preemptive death of the Wii U. It was not very intuitive for a lot of games. Like there was very few games that made well, proper I think, use of it. I think I would rephrase that. I think I would say it was very intuitive, but it was very underutilized. Because there was so much shit you could do with it that was showcased just in Nintendo Land. Uh, yeah. Which. Just nobody ever took anything with it except for Nintendo first-party developers. Everybody else, and uh, like a handful of third parties would do something with it, like uh, in Zombie U, uh, which was a Ubisoft game, uh, where you could, like, you had some moments where you had to look at the gamepad to, uh, like, I I don't remember. I I read about it. I didn't actually have the game. But it, it sounded really cool, actually, where, like, zombies could be attacking you on screen, but you had to look at the gamepad. Uh, for uh, like to solve a puzzle or something, so that actually sounded really cool, and that was one of the things that was in Nintendo Land. What I loved most about it was the way that it was implemented in Zelda, where yes. you could just like go look down at your screen and have your inventory on the fly. You could look down at your screen to have your map wherever you're going, so you don't have to have it, you know, taking up a space in your HUD, which in you know, more recent Zelda games would probably get, you know, like in Twilight Princess, it's like adding a mini map to, you know, your three buttons or whatever that you can equip stuff to, plus your action button is up here, plus your health and, you know, whatever else. It's like, it's just, you know, cluttered UIs, I think, is a problem in pretty much every game ever. Uh, and yeah. the Wii U consolidated a lot of that by adding to screen play. But again, nobody but Nintendo did shit with it. Yeah. Well, from what I was told, part of it was the development kit for the um, the offset screens was very awkward and difficult for devs to work with when you don't work for Nintendo. So that's why we didn't see it used very much. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounded like, as as well as the fact that, like, porting games to the Wii U was even kind of weird because it just didn't have, like, even right. remotely similar architecture to any other computing device at the time, you know? You, yeah. You look at Xbox 360 and PS3, and it's more or less the same to port a thing from PC, which all games are developed on, to one of those... You know, not quite the same, obviously, because of whatever, blah, blah. Uh, but uh, but then to take it to Wii U is just a completely different level of awkward as shit. And then you have to do something with the gamepad. You know, you have to... <laughs> even if you're right. just, like, copy and pasting and making the same game on the top and bottom screen, you know, the, which is what some of the developers did, uh, which is, like... It's kind of a cop out. It's kind of lame, but I guess I can, you know, you know, take it to the can and keep playing while I'm taking a shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that came with the caveat of your bathroom has to actually be close enough to your uh, TV. Yeah, I the way I look at it, honestly, like this, the Wii U as a system, I love it. Like I'm very happy with my Wii U, but I see it as like a beta for the Switch. 
Like, they took a lot of ideas that they attempted with the Wii U, re-designed like, it, and came out with a Switch, which is a fucking triumph. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a vaguely common kind of way of thinking, and I don't really think of it like that personally, because like, I see a lot of concepts that they took from Wii U and put on Switch, but console for console, they're completely different, because... You know, your big yeah. gimmick of Switch is the switching between as opposed to the gimmick of Wii U, which was two screen play. And out of the two, uh, I, I'm i not sure which one I would like better because I probably the, the switching mechanic because I fucking love just having full quality games on the go. Because um, mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier with mobile games, like, mobile phone games just kind of aren't very good. You know, in general, their quality is far inferior to a console game or even, like, a 3DS game or something. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like just there's more love put into these games 90% of the time, and they're less... They, they don't... They feel like cash grabs almost all the time. Even Pokemon Go kind of feels like a cash grab, but I know how to cheese it without actually spending money on it all the time. Uh, And it's one of the few games that for some reason I put up with doing that because I wouldn't do that. Like I could have done that in like Hearthstone and uh, Clash Royale, but I didn't. I didn't have the patience for it. You know, I don't know. Something about Pokemon makes it better. (laughs) <laughs> something um yeah so are we gonna kill off the poor wii u gamepad the gamepad i would kill off the pro controller for the wii was really good um my only like real gripe for that though is the triggers it, i don't know what it is nintendo after the gamecube just doesn't want to do actual triggers right um i don't know why yeah, uh, I never played with a Wii U Pro Controller, but like just looking at the form factor, it doesn't look as comfortable as a Switch Pro Controller. And no. objectively speaking, again, it uh, doesn't have HD rumble, it doesn't have an NFC reader, and uh, generally from the vibe I get from reading about it is it's like just not as good overall build quality and motion controls aren't as tight and things like that. Yeah. No, I would agree with you there. Like the, the switch pro controller is a, in every way, shape and form step up from the Wii U pro controller. Okay. So everything in the Wii U generation is dead now. Thanks to switch pro controller being better than it. Um, how about our Xbox 360 that we were still vaguely taken about? So Xbox 360 tied with, uh, GameCube. Does that stack up to switch pro controller? Mm, I'm gonna have to say no. I like the Switch Pro Controller better than the other two. It just, it feels right. Like, the triggers on the GameCube controller are nice, but that's really the only edge that I would give it over the Switch Pro Controller. The buttons feel better, the sticks feel better, um, the layout, the grip, grip especially, like, I can just hold it and it just, I don't know, it conforms to my hand the best of all the Nintendo controllers. Yeah, uh, I think I think I'm going to go there. So we're just going to move into current-gen consoles. 
PS4 and Xbox One, because we've already talked about a little bit of Xbox One. What do you think Xbox Mm -hmm. One versus Switch? Because I I got literally nothing to say. never used an Xbox One controller. That's where my hang-up is. And like I said, I've been fucking with these two all night. I think I have to give it to Xbox, because they have almost the exact same form factor. Xbox is slightly wider. Uh, which is good for me because I have fucking gigantic hands. Right. It has the offset sticks, which I like, which is what acts as DualShock for me. It has right. the same button layout as Switch, just A and B are reversed. And I think X and Y are reversed as well. Yeah. Um, same D-pad, same button clicks, but it has actual triggers. And that's where it gets me. Uh-huh. That's the only deciding factor between the two controllers in my mind. Okay, not uh, so that makes up for an NFC reader and HD rumble <laughs> and motion controls. mechanically. Mechanically speaking, the Switch controller or Switch Pro controller is a win every way, shape, and form. But just in terms of general comfort and usability, like I don't use the motion controls. I'm not a huge fan of motion controls on the Pro controller. Mm. Um, the only time I use the NFC readers for my Amiibos, which is in a very select few games, right. Um, and HD Rumble, like, it doesn't make a huge difference to me, honestly. Like, the Rumble feature, the Rumble motors in the uh, Pro Controller are very powerful, and I don't play a lot of games outside of, like, Mario Party that require the super minute Rumble detail that the Switch Pro Controller offers. Yeah, so I feel like that feels is like- just, that whole effect is kind of missing on most games. Like, the yeah. the fact that they advertised it so heavily at the Switch's launch was kind of weird to me, because I was like, okay, how are you going to do that in games? And they were like, here's 1-2-Switch, which has a couple of motion control, or, uh, you, you rumble know, games. Uh, rumble games like this. And, oh, in Monopoly, you can feel the dice shake in your hand. And I'm like, okay, that that's fucking weird. <clears throat> Who cares? It's cool, but it's very gimmicky. Right, yeah, and I'm like... When are, when are you going to put this in an actual game? And the only time that I've actually noticed HD Rumble being really, really cool is actually in Nintendo Labo, which isn't related to yes. the Pro Controller at all. Because in like when your pedal is rumbling like a real kind of car engine beneath you when you're driving the Labo car, that's pretty cool. Or uh, And it has a slightly different kind of rumble, whether you're using the submarine or the car or the airplane in mm-hmm. that game. And that's pretty fucking cool. Um... Actually, like, the the car as a peripheral is a surprisingly cool peripheral. Uh, and it works with the Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, what about Labo peripherals? Do they count as controllers? No. I would just lump, <laughs> I would lump them in with uh, Joy-Cons. They're an accessory of an accessory. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, Joy-Con versus uh, a Pro Controller. Where are we going to go there? Cause we, pro Controller. Yeah, I... I I feel like the Joy-Cons have, like, I, I want to give them their shout-out because they do one thing that no other controller does, which, as we've said before, is just laying in weird-ass positions, which are <laughs> often comfortable. Super lazy. It, it, right? Yeah, it's just like, you can lay in, like, stupid positions that don't make any sense. Or, uh, like, I like to actually, like, play in tabletop mode at work sometimes, and I'll just cross my arms in front of myself, you know, lean on my arms, and uh, they're crossed, but I have a Joy-Con in each hand, so I can still play uh, some games. Um, and I, some of the games, I think, are kind of cool with motion controls, but I, I feel like they don't have enough games that are 
cool with the Joy-Con motion controls to be worth actually axing out the Pro Controller. Because, like, yeah. they're cool in Skyrim when you're raising your shield and, you know, swinging your sword. But I think that's the only one I can think of. Mario Party 1, 2, Switch, and Nintendo Labo are the only ones that really, like, this gives the Joy-Con the edge. And that's because you're required to use them. <laughs> it's not like a contest. Right, yeah. So, um, but they make use of the feature. Yeah. So... I guess we're going back to the Xbox One versus uh, Switch, and I think we're going to have a fight on this because you're going Xbox One, I'm going Switch, not just because I haven't played on an Xbox One, but also because (laughs) I know that I fucking love the motion controls in certain situations. Because, like, not in all situations, because, like, in Skyward Sword, for example, on Wii... I feel like there was way too many motion control things and everything was motion controls for no good reason just to see what they could do. And some of the things were cool and some of the things were like, who the fuck even cares? Why am I flying the beetle? Why am I flying the freaking loft wing with this? Why am I rotating the the boss key to get into the boss door with the fucking (laughs) motion controls, right? Uh, I like the beetle too, but... I don't see why I couldn't control it with a stick. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I still like the beetle. The beetle is an amazing item. It's fucking awesome. But I want to control it with a stick. Uh, or, like, use it in Super Smash Brothers and just push one button and fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. That 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 yeah. item is, like, one of the most hilarious additions to Ultimate. So overpowered, but so good. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, but uh, in, like, Breath of the Wild, I don't know how I could survive without motion controls because it's it's weird because playing in VR, actually, I really miss motion controls because I have to turn them off or I get, like, fucking motion sick just because the motion controls in Labo VR for Breath of the Wild, like, you think you should look up and down and the camera will look up and down but the camera rotates up and down instead so there's this weird disconnect which is just a super weird disorientating feeling that yeah yeah so that that's an issue so i turn them off but then i can't even aim with my uh motion controls with my pro controller which that's kind of a bummer because i'm like and playing rage 2 last night that was one of the things that i was thinking like, I, I got into several kind of firefights where I'm going into a big group of guys, and I've been playing, like, Wolfenstein on Switch lately uh, and, you know, getting used to my motion controls. And I played with motion controls in Doom as well and Splatoon 2. And just in shooters, they feel so natural to me <clears throat> that... Like, I think this is an area where I would say the motion controls would edge out um, the Xbox controller, personally for me. The, the main thing that turned me off of motion controls is Breath of the Wild's fucking gyroscope <laughs> puzzles. I want to put my controller through a window. <laughs> I hate them so much it is the only complaints I have about that game but I hate them so much huh that's funny uh yeah I uh I didn't mind them at all like 
the only time I minded them was like when I was trying to play in tabletop mode and I had not brought my pro controller and I'm trying to do like move both of the joy cons in the same way or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, that, that was pretty awkward. But other than that, I like, I thought the motion controls were super responsive from the pro controller and it worked great. And I feel like Uh most of the shrine puzzles were not that it was, because yeah. I don't remember how many it was. It's like 10 or something out of 120 shrines that are like that. So I don't think it was that many. It, it, it like might 34. not be. I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Uh, very few. Yeah. We're very frustrating with those few. Right. But uh, I thought also those apparatus puzzles were usually kind of interesting because like, some of them were annoying. Like the move the ball one was kind of annoying. But uh, I, I kind of actually... It's funny how many people i've talked to about this that have cheated that puzzle in different ways because like a lot of people yeah the one with the you roll the ball through the maze and kind of flip it up yeah Uh, because i've seen so many people be like oh i flipped the maze upside down and now it's just a flat surface to roll on okay um but what i did is actually i moved the maze into a direction where I could just jump onto the maze and pick up the ball and walk out of the maze with it. I, the first time I solved it, because um, I was trying to solve it normally because I didn't know you could flip it around, uh, I got frustrated and, I don't know, for me, the gyroscope controls have a habit of getting themselves mixed up, so like moving it up makes it go down and trying to go left, it'll swing to the right and towards me or some bullshit like that, huh. but... I ended up flipping it sideways, which started to tip the ball, and I freaked out, tried to readjust, threw it up in the air, and then turned my controller and, like, swatted the ball into the goal. <laughs> it was amazing. I haven't been able to do it since. Right? Yeah, you try to recreate that and get, like, viral on Twitter, and it'll never happen again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because there, there's so much weird bullshit like that that just goes viral on Twitter somehow. I, I retweet, I feel like, two videos of that every week or something. <laughs> you yeah. know, some weird-ass Breath of the Wild thing that somebody has now done. Because, you know, two years is not enough time to do all of the shit that you can do in that game. Oh, which no, never. Is it's like Skyrim. People, will, people ten years from now will still be finding shit. Right, yeah. It, it, it's funny, because actually, I think it was last year, somebody actually found a secret in Ocarina of Time that is not generally known, and I bet there's probably some people out there that knew it, but most people I know don't know it. Because they found out when you, if you have completed the mask sequence, and you put on the <laughs> Gerudo mask, and go to the Gerudo Desert... It will actually highlight all of the poles that you need to go to between the Gerudo Fortress and the Desert Colossus. Really? Yeah. Huh. Which is like this super random, like, you can also already see them okay, but they're kind of hard to make out. It just makes uh-huh. it slightly easier. So it's, it's like a weird effect that you totally don't need, but it's like... 20 years later, somebody's still finding something that, like, nobody knows in Ocarina of Time. So, it's awesome. I mean, in hindsight, that makes sense. Right. I just never thought of that. Because uh-huh. huh. it's, it's super weird, though, because, like, there's the Gerudo mask, and there's there's a few other optional masks. Because the, the Gerudo mask, the mask of truth is obviously the one that lets you talk to gossip stones. And then there's two others, mm-hmm. right? 
Uh, I know there's the Keaton mask and the Skull mask. Yeah, those are the required ones. And I feel like most of the masks have no effect whatsoever. Yeah. Like, you, you use them for the quest, and then outside of that, like, they might make people react different and give you a funny reaction or something. But it's so On weird topic. that this one mask gives you this one weird, mostly pointless Super effect. Power, yeah. yeah, it's so weird. On the topic of masks, Kat, I hope you agree, the music that plays when a Keaton arrives, when you have his mask and Majora's mask, is the most unsettling noise in any Zelda game ever. Uh, have you ever done that? No, I've never done that. Uh, Majora's, really? Majora's Mask is one of those games that I haven't done as much stuff in as most Zelda games because it's like I've 100%ed Ocarina of Time. I've 100%ed Twilight Princess, 100%ed Wind Waker, uh, <laughs> you know, Link to the Past. Most Zelda games up until Breath of the Wild, I've 100%ed. Uh, but Majora's Mask, I, I haven't even beat it, actually. So, in, uh, in Majora's Mask, you know the, like, circles of bushes that if you cut one, they start, like, shaking and moving away? Right. The, the few of those? If you put on the Keaton Mask and then cut those up, a, like, Keaton Fox will spawn, and he'll give you information, kind of like a Gossip Stone. And the music that plays is just like a single monotone, shrill noise that is super unsettling. Huh. It's kind of interesting. Look it up. It's weird shit. You know what else is super unsettling is the original Fire Temple music. Have you heard that uh, in the... Yeah, with the Islamic chanting. Yeah, that's really fucking cool too. And, like, since I know about that, I'm like, I want to spend, like, 500 bucks on an original N64 copy with that <laughs> in there. But I'm like, I'll never have 500 bucks to spare, will I? <laughs> I have an original copy of Majora's Mask, the the gold holographic cartridge. That's awesome. A buddy of mine had that. I never had it on N64. I never played it until GameCube. Um, I found it at a used game store for 40 bucks. That's a good deal. <laughs> it's a steal. Yeah. Because those go for a pretty good amount, don't they? With the holographic front and everything? Let's find out. I'm curious. Right, yeah. Okay, and while you're looking that up, um, I'm going to close our topic of uh, best controller of all time and Xbox. give it to uh, the Wii U gamepad. Fuck everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's got uh, a touch screen, damn it. <laughs> that's fair. It's not a bad controller. Right, yeah. And uh, that's another one that I actually just really liked because it was so fucking fat. Mm. <laughs> I'm just like, I got my ham hands. I want a, I want a giant friggin' controller. Um, it's great. Uh, but no, seriously. Uh, I like the Switch Pro Controller better overall, I think. Um, but if the Switch Pro Controller could have a touchscreen that I could also play games on, then maybe... But that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. <laughs> Majora's Mask is not going for as much as I had hoped. It's going for 50 bucks. Okay. Yeah, I felt like it was more, but apparently not. Uh, I, it was funny. I looked up some of my GameCube games the other day because um, I was... Uh, I couldn't find my copy of uh, Ocarina of Time Master Quest, which was like 
really annoying. And so I looked up how much it would be to buy another one. And they're, they're like a hundred bucks now for the Ocarina of Time Master Quest disc, which kind of makes sense. It's a pretty old game. It was, you know, only available as a pre-order bonus for the GameCube. If you pre-ordered GameCubes, you could get it. Um, but Yo. I was like, I had found mine like pretty close to the time used for like 20 bucks at the time i think so it was but now they're on so i'm like that's kind of awkward so i gotta find it hopefully i'll find it i was curious and i looked up the ocarina of time this is like a side story i looked up the ocarina of time cartridge just now Uh and one of the related things in shopping was a custom painted n64 like oh really the, the console and it is a black and gold Legend of Zelda hand-painted N64 that looks fucking gorgeous Sweet. for 164 bucks. 169 awesome. I lied. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool. You should look at Okay, look at I it. will probably do that. Um, have you seen the uh, guy that modded a N64? Like, he took the N64 body and cut out all the guts and then wired mm-hmm. a switch dock into it. So he just... Really? Yeah, he just basically puts his switch in the cartridge port for the N64 and it hooks it up to his TV. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, that is cool. I want one of those. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, well, I was also going to go ahead and do a uh, tabletop topic, but uh, we've actually kind of run pretty long there, so I think we'll just skip it and save it for next week or some such. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, we've already been going for almost an hour and 40 minutes. Um, Yeah. So uh, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as always, the host of Drink to the Past. Uh, You can find me on twoguysplayingzelda.com. I uh, recently put out the top five worst Zelda games of all time, uh, which you can check out there on the site or on Zelda Coalition. And if you like fan content for Zelda or make any of your own, you can check out Zelda Coalition. They have all sorts of fan content, and you can just submit your own uh and they'll just put it up regardless of who you are so it, it you know you don't have to rely on you know anything to just get your stuff out there somewhere uh so i think it's a really cool concept for a site check them out as well um and coming soon i will have a my new article will be why i like skyward sword even though i put it as number two worst <laughs> zelda game of all time so it's kind of an apology to anybody that likes Skyward Sword a little bit because, like, I so do Red. think it's the second worst. Right. Yeah. Hick and Red were the ones that were kind of like complaining about me a lot. Uh, but uh, we have a good time. So, uh, I, you know, they're not going to fire me or anything, I think. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, as much as I do think it is the second worst Zelda game of all time. It's still a great freaking game, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Look forward to that coming pretty soon. Crow, who are you? Tell these lovely people. I am Crow. You can find me on YouTube, which the current channel is on a hiatus, and I may or may not be starting over with a new channel, but you can still find me at youtube.com slash corporatecanon. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch and Twitter and two guys playing Zelda. I post stuff sometimes, like <laughs> once, once in a blue minute. It's a blue moon tonight. On Twitter a lot. You got me? Huh? It's a blue moon tonight. What are you posting? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I posted a uh, an article about why you should play Moonlighter because it's a fucking amazing game. That's recently, surprisingly so. appropriate that. with a blue moon. 
I, I don't think it's actually oh. a blue moon. I, I, I just I just made that up. Uh, I have not been paying attention to the phases of the moon lately. Nor have I. Yeah. But go play Moonlighter. It's amazing. Yeah. Especially if you like Zelda. Zelda-like. Sweet. All right. And that will close things off for today. We hope you will join us next week when we will talk about other stuff. Bye. Bye-bye.